Welcome to The Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. I'm Mike. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. Welcome back to The Modern Rustic. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Frankie Fowl. Uh, I am a, lo- a lifelong missionite. I've lived there all my life. Oh. Um, and I am a queer creative. Okay, what does that mean? Um, well, uh, my occupation is in design, uh, so graphic design. Uh, I do a lot of freelancing. Uh, right now I'm working uh, at Chassis, which is the community... Community Health and Social Innovation Hub at <laughs> University of Fraser Valley. It's a mouthful. It is. So we, we <laughs> yes. call it Chassis. <laughs> um, and there I'm on the Knowledge Mobilization Team, which means I take all the amazing research that they do and I visualize it. Okay. Yeah. That felt like so many buzzwords. I don't know where <laughs> yeah. to start. Let's, let's break some of that down. So you are... Uh, do you consider yourself an artist first and foremost, or I don't know if that was a question. Um, okay, so you, what are these knowledge? Sorry, knowledge initiatives. You said knowledge mobilization team. Knowledge mobilization team. <laughs> yes, and you illustrate that. Yes, so, so that could be through illustration or uh, through data viz uh, or designing reports. Um, or I do a lot of photography and videography there. Um, yeah. Awesome. So what is it exactly that Chassis does? Um, so Chassis, um, is a place where people in the community can come, um, to have them do research. Okay. Um, so there's all kinds of projects on the go. Uh, they, uh, just finished up, uh, a food security project. Um, they're working on one right now with the floods that happened last year. Mm. Um, they're also, I'm on the team that's working, uh, with Haida Gwaii to find their missing indigenous children. Um, yeah, so it's just all kinds of really amazing, cool things, uh, that come through Chassis. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's basically just kind of a a research group to bring awareness to certain social issues kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And this and is based out of U of V? It sure is. Okay. Yeah. I, this is a tangent, but U of V, I find is doing really good, solid work. I feel like it's a lot more progressive than other universities in the same area or level. I don't know. That's just me. Maybe it's because it's local and I'm biased, <laughs> but it feels like they're just really ahead of their time. It, yeah, they are. There's still work to be done, um, mm. but it's definitely, they do make an effort to create safe space for people and just a really safe learning environment. Um, yeah. So, but they do, they definitely like have amazing initiatives there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Which is what Chassis is, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it completely student run or? Um, it's a combination. So there's faculty, there's staff. Um, there's lead researchers and there's students, and so we all kind of work together to do these cool things. Interesting. Are you a student at the university I as well? I am a student, okay. yeah. Okay. What are you taking? Graphic design, of okay. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've always been super creative, and um, I, I taught preschool for 15 years. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, and so I just kind of got really burnt out there. I was like, you know what, I really, I love being visual, and so I'm, I need to, like, figure out a way to do that and bring home the bacon. Right? Yeah. So uh, I figured graphic design was a good 
kind of resting place for that. So I'm in my third year of my BFA, majoring in graphic design. So I'm in the home stretch. Great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, good for you. Yeah. Very cool. What do you hope to take that education and do with it? Just create, like create what you're creating now, or is there another dream that you want to pursue? Um, so for me, this is undergrad. So I do plan on pursuing my master's degree in inclusive design. Um, so that'll take me to Toronto, hopefully. Um, inclusive design. Yeah. So I don't know what any of this means. (laughs) So inclusive design is using graphic design as a way to include everybody. So whether that be accessibility or visibility, um, speaking to like minority groups and like bringing that all together and creating like rad design that is for everyone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's niche, but it's also vital. It right? is. Yeah. I mean, how many how many groups or organizations or initiatives are shut down just because they have a terrible logo? Let's yeah. be honest, <laughs> right. or something like that. It's just, yeah, making things look professional and inviting and encouraging can be life changing for something like that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. especially in like the accessibility avenue. Um, Graphic design's always been really interesting to me. Mm. Uh, in in another life, I, I think that might have been an avenue that I went down. And whenever I see, you know, like an article or something about um, how this website is, uh, like the way it's designed is terrible for accessibility, that kind of thing. It, it's always really interesting to me. Mm. Like you never think about in graphic design, like the really nitty gritty stuff about it. Like it, it sounds very, you know, like froofy and um it doesn't seem important yeah right? yeah, yeah. Like, i want to draw for a living but it is actually like it's a job there's like a lot of you know rules that you have to follow and, absolutely yeah. and it's academic there's research yeah. involved you're not sitting there doodling all day which yeah. all my friends think i do right <laughs> they're like oh you're just doodling i'm like no you have to like actually put in time and research and like when you say research what do, what do you what does that mean like i'm Yeah. So So if there's a project, then I I kind of dive right into it and you know learn about it and um, learn about you know any kind of like maybe there's philosophical roots to it or uh, political roots. So I just kind of like dig into it, and that's where like all the cool ideas come from is when Mm. you look kind of past the surface of things. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, I want to hear more about the work that you're doing. Um, I wrote down the Haida Gwaii part because that intrigued me the most. Um, but we can touch on the other things as well. Can you just dive into that for a minute? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm working with a research team. Um, so there's two leads, um, a research assistant. Uh, there will be an archivist on the team uh, and then myself. Uh, so when I originally was asked to be on the team, it was to do um video and photography so to go and um, collect stories from survivors residential school survivors mm-hmm. um and so it, that's just kind of like all in the process but um uh, i was also invited to start going through archives um so uh, a lo- there's some of it that's public record and then there's some of it that is not that you need to get permission uh to view so i i'm in the middle of the public access um but you read these stories and these letters from these schools and these these families and you get to know them and so you follow this like paper trail of these children and all of the terrible things that went on in residential schools and um yeah 
it's it's crazy and you you almost become like emotionally attached to these people that you're reading about mm-hmm. yeah that's powerful i'm sure i i can't even imagine the stories you've read and just interacted with and oh, that's scary not scary but scary good yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know it's part of like truth and reconciliation and and i'm just like really privileged to be a part of that um in some small way um and I, I think everybody, everybody should have to read these archives because yeah. you just like, it hits you and you're like, crap, like this, def- like it was really like way worse than they, they say it is. And just like the abuse that went on and, and how transactional it was. It was a business. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of stuff have you learned going through this project? Um, I've definitely, it's put my own privilege in check. Um, even though like I'm a part of a minority group, I still am quite privileged. Um, you know, I have people who love me and, and I haven't had to face like nearly like none of those obstacles or like challenges that those people had faced. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, so that's a, a big one. Um, and just like the importance of telling these stories because these survivors are getting older. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of them are passing away. Um, and some of those stories are just lost now. And, and I think it's super important that those stories get out and, and that they're recorded and shared and, um, just so like other people can learn, learn about it. Yeah, I completely agree. The, the, the biggest issue with anything like that is time, right? We don't have enough people talking to enough people. We don't have you know, individuals like yourself that are going out there and interviewing and reaching out and ah, it's, it hurts me sometimes thinking about it. Just it, it, you know, it pulls on your heart because you're like, there are people that are gone now and they had incredible stories that they could have been recorded. It could have been shared and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that gets forgotten about, especially now. So I think this kind of work is important. Like, when everybody's sharing everything all the time online, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to forget that if something isn't shared, then it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, good point. Yeah. And you also have to be careful too. Like it, we, it's almost like a colonial way of thinking too, is like record, 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 document, document, document. But that's not always how like indigenous people view it. Right. Like exactly. it's, it's more of a verbal thing a lot of the time. Yeah, or, oral tradition. Right. And so it's a very fine line that you're walking when you're, hmm. you know, I, we, I think we all have good intentions. Like we want to, you know, we want to share your story. We want to preserve your legacy. And, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm a white chick and, <laughs> yeah. and I, I have no right to that. Right. And so I'm just privileged that somebody would even like, tell me, tell me that story. Is that something that you've bumped up against a lot? Um, it, there is definitely tension within the Indigenous community and um, just with everything going on uh, politically with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a push for Indigenous-led initiatives, um, which isn't always uh, feasible because of their past and just they just don't have the people. They don't have the mm-hmm. people to do it. And... Um, yeah it's it's a tough situation and um but i my personal opinion is that like true truth and reconciliation happens when you know both sides can come together and work together and um 
yeah, that's, you know, I, I, I hope that we can get to a place where that's, you know, more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I say it all the time, but you're not going to make everyone happy, but if you can find a common ground and you can compromise it, everyone is a little bit better off in the middle, right? It's yeah even just like coming to a place where we can just celebrate one another and you know appreciate each other for our differences and celebrate those differences Mm -hmm. that's powerful yeah i um it it reminded me of this of this uh news story that i had read about i'd followed for a while that um there was a uh a a student a couple couple years ago and he had gone out and started interviewing world war ii vets and he had traveled, he started with a couple and then he realized there were so many stories that were completely untold. So he traveled across the country back and forth. He's done it twice now and getting these, either it's verbal or video recordings of these people telling their stories. And even now it's, he started t- two or three years ago. Some of them have already passed away since he started. So it's so finite, you know, life is so short like that, that if you don't, yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, there has to be a better way of us communicating and learning and pulling this wisdom out of people before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then in these, uh, in these projects, what is it specifically that you're doing? Um, it really depends on the project. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, for the flood project, um, I created a series of illustrations to mm. like illustrate the research uh, that went into a presentation. And I'm also going to be going around and getting some uh, drone footage of like Ooh. kind of like where we're at now uh, with the, the floods and like the recuperation from that. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not like we're not out of the woods, right? Like. I feel like sometimes I drive through the Sumas Prairie and there's still like, oh, there's, there's work still a lot being of done. water yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, they haven't fixed all the roads. They haven't, yeah. you know, completely restructured the dam yet. Yeah. Um, the dike is still in works. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be done yet. And yeah. I know that the city is haven't hasn't really decided how much money they can sink into the restructuring and whether we're going to be able to afford another pump station and all these things and you know whether we can raise the dike up and it's it's a lot and yeah it doesn't happen overnight we're you know we're over a year since and it's there's still lots to be done yeah and lots of big decisions to be made i don't know i'm sure you know more than i do (laughs) (laughs) you're you're right yeah and like let's be real there's still no mini golf at castle fun park (laughs) right still affecting our day-to-day lives yeah (laughs) ridiculous i'm i went there a little while ago though and it's so nice because i can finally play the arcade games again i was so sad when they all got washed out yes (laughs) i haven't actually been back since uh since the floods it's very similar to how it was before yeah yeah Yeah. that's good to hear yeah yeah some things never change (laughs) even if they're underwater yeah Ah, okay. So this, I know, I know I've spoken to someone about the, the flood project before, but uh, I know, and there was a, there was like a, a, a writing therapy aspect as well. I guess just give us the background. Yeah. So, um, 
I, what, what we're doing is uh, kind of going in and seeing like the response to the flood and how people uh, accessed emergency services, where they went for those emergency services. And so then all that data is collected and uh, kind of analyzed. And then it just gives them like, um, gives like the city a better picture on how to handle it mm-hmm. if and when it happens again. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a shame that it always takes a tragedy or a crisis to get people excited enough mm-hmm. or <laughs> I don't know, driven enough to actually step up and do those things. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's a bittersweet at the same time. <sighs> I'm struggling for a question here, Zach. <laughs> yeah. It, it seems like something always has to happen first, like yeah. <laughs> in order for there to be action. Mm-hmm. It's always reacting. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so I, I guess same question as with the um, with the other project that you were working on. Is there anything specifically that you've learned in in the research you guys are doing, or the things that you're putting together that that you can share? Or... Yeah, has it changed you? Oh, definitely. Like it, every time we work on a project, it's just like, oh, I am so lucky, and so <laughs> I I just feel gratitude, and I and gratitude to like be, even be there and be a part of it. Um, and you get to like meet some pretty interesting people and talk to interesting people and we love doing that yeah and learn about their stories because people are rad <laughs> they are right oh yeah. I love it when people understand that yeah just ah you know you you get it the audience gets it we all get it and it's a totally different thing like when you're you you know you hear about these things. Um, but getting to talk to people who actually experienced it firsthand is a totally different thing. Like, um, with, uh, with the indigenous issue, I, I don't think that I actually have any indigenous people in my life. So mm-hmm. I've never had the opportunity to talk to anyone about that specific issue. But with the flood, uh, I have a friend who lived in the Matsui Prairie and he was trapped in his house mm-hmm. while the flood was happening. Sumas? And... Yes. Okay. Or sorry, what did I say? You said Matsui. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and yeah, there was a four or five day period where nobody heard from him. Nobody could get a hold of him or anything. And like we were all wondering if he was dead. And, you know, when he came back, all the, all the stories that he had and all this stuff, like it was, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like you never really know. You don't get to intimately know an issue until you get to talk to somebody who is intimately involved with that issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it's it's a very interesting and unique position that you're in that you get to kind of, you know, dive deep into into these issues and talk to these people. And do you get to like interview? Um, not so much myself, okay. just because I'm more of the visual person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do get to like hear about it. Right. <laughs> so and then yeah. I get to turn it into something visual. Yeah. So. Yeah. So your job, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're kind of taking this data and distilling it into kind of a digestible, easy to look at kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. cool. You're like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of this, whatever <laughs> this is. I don't know what to call it, but. You like take the stuff that people don't get and then you explain it visually in a way that the average Joe can intake properly. Visual language was our first language, I think. Yes. Right? Yeah. right? So it's just, I think it's just kind of like ingrained into us. Like if mm-hmm. it's visual, like 
think we all kind of look in that direction first before we would like listen to somebody talking so at least for me anyway if there was a picture i'm like i totally get that picture (laughs) yeah yeah well i I mean we've even experienced that already We, we started doing the podcast and then people were like we want to know what your guest looks like i'm like okay we'll take their picture and we'll put it on there i'm like thank you and i'm like okay and we're like it's just a podcast you're listening to them for x amount of time but people are like we're interested in what they look like we're you know they want a visual something to go with it right you know how many times i google people here on podcasts i'm like what do they look like right that's <laughs> right? like, oh. like one of the first things i do i'm like oh i'm like yeah their voice matches like yeah. what they look like or whoa i was not expecting that expected at all yeah. we've had that a few times with, with people come on the show and they're like oh we listened to a few episodes and then they're like zach you look so different <laughs> yeah. oh. it almost kind of ruins it sometimes right? a little bit but, yeah yeah yeah. I don't know. It's it's just interesting how the human mind works like that. Yeah. 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 yeah we're very visual creatures. Yeah. Yeah. We learn to be visual before we talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 So what kind of uh, what kind of work do you do when you're you're dealing with these issues that they seem very very wordy, like it seems easier to explain the issue by talking so what um what are you doing to kind of distill that into uh, a more visual format yeah so definitely finding symbolism where i can Mm. or finding like connections in unexpected places um like uh, for example i'm i'm working on the fraser valley pride marketing and like visuals right now and they're like uh this year's theme is intersectionality i'm like okay cool what's intersectionality (laughs) i would love to know right so intersectionality is how one person's um like if one person's being discriminated against it affects the whole and it all like all discrimination affects discrimination and so it all kind of like intersects. So whether that be I have a physical uh, impediment or I have a racial part of me or I'm queer or whatever, like it all kind of comes together. And that, so that's intersectionality. So um, mm. for, their, for their branding, I decided to use like a risograph, which is a print where if you lay down one color, then the next color on top affects the one underneath. And that's so... Oh, right? so, I love that. Yeah, so they haven't even seen it yet. I haven't even showed them to <laughs> just working on it. But um, yeah, so their, their visuals will be um, these people who have no stereotype attached, no gender attached, um, coming together and each piece laid on top of the other affects what's underneath. So yeah, so just finding like interesting ways things connect. That's awesome. I would never even think that people put that much effort into the design of that. It, it, it just goes so, what's the word, Un, unknown or unappreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Oh, well, thank you for letting me talk about it. <laughs> yeah, please continue. Uh, what's your favorite part about working with Chassis? Um, I love the people there. I think it's like the best job I've ever had. <laughs> Um, and no, I'm not vouching for a raise or anything. They really are genuinely <laughs> rad people. Um, it's just like very like collaborative and mm. everybody, you know, helps 
whenever they can. And there's always somebody in the room who has the answer most mm. of the time. So it's like, oh, hey, how should I do this? Or what do you think about this? And so just like working together like that is is pretty amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. I if, feel like... Go ahead. Sorry. No, no you go no, ahead. You, you, no, no, no. I didn't no, have no. a good one. Please, you no, go. I insist. Please. Um, <laughs> if it's okay if we switch gears. That's sure. what I was going to say. I was going to do the same. Um, I'm curious to uh, talk about... Because uh, the Fraser Valley is a very conservative mm-hmm. area. Sure uh, is. So... Being, you know, in the area that you are and being who you are and working in the in the field that you are, um, what kind of challenges are you coming up against there? Like, do you find it pretty difficult being here? I didn't until last summer. Ooh, oh, okay. Yeah. Tell. Um, so in my spare time, one of my hobbies is actually to uh, perform in drag. So okay. I have a drag king persona. Um, and all of my friends are all drag performers. And so, uh, we, uh, we had a booking for drag story time at the reach. Ah, <laughs> yeah. I see where this is going. Yes. Yeah, so, um, that was the first time, um, since being out that I had ever experienced hate speech and sorry fill me in was there something that happened okay so yeah, please. okay yeah. give us the, the I'll details give you the, i'll give you the tea um so we had showed up at the reach uh for this drag story time there were four performers um me and my friends and um when we had gotten there everything kind of seemed normal um and we were just kind of setting up getting ready and uh i got a text message from the uh, somebody who works with the society that does pride. Uh, so Fraser Valley Youth Society puts on Fraser Valley Pride mm-hmm. um, saying, oh, the protesters are here. Oh, no. And I thought, oh, okay. Like in the past with pride, there's been like maybe one or two people with signs, you know, saying, you know, usually along the religious side. And mm-hmm. it was, it was peaceful. Um, but I took a look out the window and there's, there's this big buff guy and his, there was probably like maybe about 15 of them. Um, and they just had like awful signs, like comparing drag to like pedophilia and how it's child grooming and, um, keeping in mind they're like at the front entrance and there are families with young children mm-hmm. trying to get in to this building and trying to like have their kids experience this event and, um, keeping in mind that these parents chose to bring right. their children there. Yeah. <laughs> they were not forced to be there in any way. Um, you know, and, um, uh, they ended up bringing, uh, families around the back, uh, so that they didn't have to walk through that because they were quite aggressive. Um, and they, you know, they were starting to get like physically aggressive and like in people's faces. Um, so the, um, executive director of Fraser Valley Society kind of like got everybody that they could think of and so we kind of had a counter protest so by the end there was more rainbows than than the hate <laughs> okay. um that is a very interesting way to deal with the issue yeah yeah, yeah common now yeah. yeah yeah but yeah so that was like the first time that I've really experienced that and I was like whoa this is real and yeah like it's and I feel like since then too like it's kind of like getting progressively worse 
Oh, really? Yeah, and just um, the whole kind of, like, other side of things. It's kind of like a certain group of individuals who are very, like, right and um, just really feel that being queer is just a bad thing, right? right? And really kind of, like, being rude, just downright rude, actually, and um, kind of, like, trying to push their opinion and their views on people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, I, I don't know. Like it just, even with like other drag shows here in the Valley, like it's starting to like show up. So I think like the whole like queer community is kind of like on alert a little bit, just mm-hmm. kind of being very aware of their surroundings. And, um, you know, like I know my wife and I, like whenever we're at a queer event, we go in with a plan. If something happens, then where this is what we'll do. Um, and also, too, just being, like, yeah, super aware of your surroundings and who's in the room and always... Sometimes you can't, like, even enjoy things just because you're always, like, kind of, like, looking around, making yeah. sure of, like, who's around you. So it's it's super sad, like, you know, people who fought the fight in the first place, like, and now we're kind of, like, reverting backwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. I, I never had realized that it was getting worse in the first place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said that that was kind of the first time you'd experienced something like that since you've been out, yeah. which is how long? Uh, I was I was a late outcomer, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I came out when I was 32. Okay. Yeah. Um, which was like, oh, okay, things make sense <laughs> for yeah. me, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I met my wife and, and we have a cute little family and... Um, yeah, so okay. it was a bit later in my life. Um, also came from a super conservative family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, like my family and I don't talk because oh, wow. of the way that I choose to live my life. And, uh, yeah, so. Go. <clears throat> ah, I have many questions. Um, <laughs> I guess to, to carry on that point, um, was there, what was the turning point when you decided to... I mean, was it something you were building up to it? Was it just because you felt stifled or not in a comfortable position to be yourself? Or what was the initiative? Um, Yeah, so, like, being in a super conservative family, like, Mm -hmm. we grew up going to church, and, um, of course, like, religious rhetoric is always, like, you know, it's a sin and it's bad, and um, not all denominations or people are like that uh but there are like where i grew up it was um and i think i was just like super afraid like i i felt like there was this like road i was supposed to take i was you know supposed to like get married supposed to have a kid and and uh be married to a man (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and so that that was like kind of like nope that's the only way like that's it so um yeah so i just i think i just started to like take care of my mental health and through that process um started to kind of see the forest for the trees and what was actually happening and that it just wasn't a good environment for me and um definitely didn't feel like I could flourish in that environment um and so yeah I made the difficult decision to you know say you know what I don't want that toxic stuff in my life and I just was like no so if you can't accept me for you know who I am then that's your choice um and you're gonna miss out on 
everything that's going to happen in my life, right? So, yeah. Yeah, that's... It must have been, like, incredibly difficult. I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it's it sucks. You know, I come from a pretty big family, and so I, I see them. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I walk past siblings at the bus stop, and, you know, it's... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like, okay, cool, like hope you're doing good. (laughs) I'm, you know, but I, I don't think that I would be where I am if I didn't do that. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't have like having the courage to just say no to that, like was just so, um, liberating, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's opened career doors for you as well. Like you, that you wouldn't be where you are in your career. No, no, not not for accepting you for who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad that you have flourished since then. Yeah, and you know, chosen family is a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I love that I can be like, with my very closest friends, like, yeah, you are my family. Like, yeah. And I got to choose you. How rad is that, right? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've heard too many stories similar to yours, or even just, families split over political things or you know especially over covid there was so much of that and just i just hate hearing stories like i'm like you really like you're gonna you're gonna not talk to somebody that you've spent your entire life with just because you don't just you don't agree on something anyways yeah yeah it's hard to imagine i mean we have the (laughs) the benefit of living in the here and now yes but you know i I have a very young son, and I, I just can't imagine, you know, right? if, if he was to come up to me and be like, hey, I, I like boys. Yeah. <laughs> like, cool, man. Like, yeah. I like girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, hmm. Hmm. You said you had so many questions. <laughs> I did, and I lost them all because I have to write them down continuously, or they're all gone. Um, yeah, you mentioned earlier. You said that there was like these, like you, the the protesting, and that you 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 feel like it's getting worse in a sense, like in more of an aggressive fashion, or just like numbers wise, more of a voice. Um, I think both. Um, so definitely like drag events. Um, for children are definitely a target. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just recently in Coquitlam, they had protesters. Yes. Uh, in Chilliwack, they had queer prom. Uh, they also had protesters there. Um, they just really have these, like, non-factual ideas about, uh, especially, like, surrounding, like, transgender folks. Um, and, uh, yeah, they... they think in their mind that this is like child grooming where it's like no like all of these people are like we all have criminal record checks we're all like working professionals um you know drag story time the stories are always vetted it's not like we're going in there reading like (laughs) you know harlequin romance or anything like it's all like very age appropriate Mm -hmm. um and yeah it just there's just so much misinformation and I think we have our beautiful internet to thank for that. And yeah. It's definitely a culprit. Right? One of them, yeah. Um, and I think critical thinking is a dying art. 
really is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and just like really taking the time to get both sides of the story and make like an informed decision. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just gets put in their little echo chambers. And... It's very true. Yeah. It's, it happens to me too often. Yeah. You know, you go down a YouTube rabbit hole or something and you're like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. And then you read the comments. You're like, oh, this changes everything. <laughs> and then I'm like, eh, it's very strange. It's, but it's the mind is so malleable and that will just you listen to something long enough and you, it just makes sense in your head and then to try and dissuade you from that even if it isn't logical or yeah and algorithms like yeah. you start one down one rabbit hole you're down there like right? you're gonna keep getting all of that <sighs> it just keeps right. feeding you more of the same to right. kind of keep you in that area yeah, yeah. keep you addicted and yeah, yeah. a friend of mine has has been trying for years to uh adjust his algorithms on his social media so that when he watches uh a youtube video on one aspect then it automatically gives him the opposite point of view that's like and i think it's a great idea but i would love to see you know if you watch a uh, let's say a right wing video and then the recommended video is like hey you should listen to this left wing video and it says the exact different thing because it doesn't matter what you think you should have a you should listen to both sides because mm-hmm. the answer is probably in the middle somewhere that's right yeah <sighs> I know but I think there's a bit of complacency like it's mm. just easy right yeah. like and it's entertaining and um, you know I'd rather watch a video than read a book that's very true right and so i i think yeah people are just kind of like complacent and they're like oh i keep seeing this stuff and so there's got to be some truth to it when in fact there's probably like none (laughs) yeah probably in some cases not in all cases but in some yeah Yeah. every myth there's usually a nugget of truth somewhere but Mm. yeah yeah, it's 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 so sad because I one of my good friends, my close friend, uh, he was at the Poco um, uh, protests as an anti-protester, and I didn't. The thing is, I had I wouldn't have even heard about it if he wasn't there because I saw it on his social media. He's like, oh, I'm like, dude, where are you? And he's like, oh, I didn't. And he explained it to me afterwards. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, I would have never even known that was happening if he hadn't been there. But the fact that he had to plan in uh an opposition protest against the other protesters and he knew he had to go ahead of time was just yeah yeah it's it's sad like i at the very minimum like you should try to teach your children tolerance at least right um you know if if i had my way all kids would just like yeah be there and like celebrate each other and um you know but, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy to me. And, you know, I have a, I have a 14 year old who, uh, recently came out herself oh, and, wow. and, um, I worry about her. I worry mm-hmm. about like, you know, these are worries that like my grandma had, you know, right. and, and people of that generation and those people who fought the first fight and mm-hmm. we're still like, we're kind of back where we're, where we started almost. Yeah, that's very true. So, uh, if you don't want to dive into this, that's okay. But what has it been like for your, sorry, you said your daughter, right? Yeah. What has it been like for her? Like, did, did she come out publicly like to her um, classmates and everything? No. So she, um, 
she came up to my wife and I okay. um, as non-binary. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, like, I think she's still, like, working it out. Um, she she says that she prefers they, them pronouns, but then sometimes she still prefers the she, her pronouns. And so I think in her mind, and because she's 14, she's kind of working that out and figuring out yeah. who she is. And um, But, like... I just love my kid, right? Like, I I don't care. Like, uh, she could do, like, the worst thing in the world, and I'd be like, I still love you, you know? Like, you're still my kid, and, and, um, yeah. So, but I I do worry, like, my my kiddo is homeschooled by her choice, um, so we gave her that choice to, to, uh, it kind of happened over COVID, and then Mm. after COVID and the schools opened back up, um, we're like, okay, well, do you want to go to the middle school or do you want to stay home she's like i'm staying home <laughs> i'm just like that's probably a good decision um but yeah so she and she's thriving in yeah. just being able to work that way and um you know she still she has friends and um she just doesn't go to school with them right and mm. she she meets friends and activities and um she's starting to become a theater kid which is kind of cool i'm just like yeah i i dig it um, so she had her very first audition uh, a few weeks ago cool. and got a part. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, theater is a cool place to be, like, for sure. It is the most, um, one of the most welcoming groups I've ever yeah. been with. It's And so eclectic and amazing. And, yeah. like, they all kind of, like, gather together and, like, create art. It's yeah. just, yeah, you can gather with these people and we're like we're just gonna be weird and we're gonna be ourselves and that's the whole point yeah (sighs) yeah it's like the best place to be right when all the weirdos come together (laughs) yeah right yeah because you know they're gonna make something crazy and beautiful eventually yeah and they're gonna have so much fun doing it exactly that's what like we've had so many theater people on the show already Mm -hmm. and it's like they're the most charismatic and open and intelligent and interesting and expressive people that you could ever find yeah yeah i love the theater (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) anyway but it's also just about storytelling yeah anyway we don't have to talk about theater um but what are we going to talk about zach we could talk uh some more okay yeah um the type of art that you like you so you specialize in graphic design and what led you to graphic design and do you consider yourself a different type of artist than let's say a you know oil on canvas or painter or sculptor yeah so um when i decided to go back to school after being a preschool teacher forever um I had started my BFA way back a long time ago <laughs> and uh, it just kind of like was there and I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick it back up and mm. with the thoughts of like, oh, maybe I'll be like an elementary school teacher. Um, and so I was like carrying on and so when you're doing your BFA, you get to like kind of experience a little bit of everything. Um, so I've done sculpture and I've done printmaking and I've done painting and I've done drawing and so... I love having that like foundation where I can, I can draw with a pencil and I'm okay. And you know, I could get by with a pencil if I needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think for me, like, like 
having that foundation makes my graphic design better. Oh. Yeah. So I like, cause I can just, I don't know, like I can, it's not all digital. Like I don't, I don't start with the computer. I start with a pen and a pencil or a pencil and a paper and, and I work from there. Like I'll write or I'll doodle or I'll sketch and like kind of like work my way through or mind map. Um, I always have my notebook with me, like always. <laughs> so, mm. um, even if I like, I'm on the bus, I'm like, oh, that person's rad. And so I'll like write a description about them. I'm like, okay, character design in the head, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, so it, having that um, definitely helps me. And um, yeah, so I, I went to graphic design because I went and spent a week in an elementary school. <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah, and I, I sat with the teachers, and bless their hearts, they are such hard workers, and they deserve way more kudos than they <laughs> will ever get. Uh, I was like, you know what? Nope, this isn't for me. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, now what? <laughs> I have this, like, degree that's half done, and um, I was like, oh, graphic design. Like, I can, like, draw and be creative and get paid. Excellent. Um, and there's just so many different avenues of design you you know there's web design there's ux ui there's illustration there's What's that second one you ux ui so that's user experience and user interfaces like apps oh yeah okay. um yeah there's just so many like motion graphics like somebody's got to make those titles at the beginning of your show so <laughs> true right so yeah i was like that's something i could you know enjoy doing for the rest of my working career Hmm. Yeah, it's always so interesting speaking with artists that have found a way to make it their career to create the things that they want to create. And it's so inspiring to me when they can do that because we know so many people that don't have that opportunity yet. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, have, I want to do this, but I'm stuck here. And just figuring out the path to get to where you can live comfortably and create what you want to create is so mm -hmm. yeah it takes courage it takes courage to be creative mm -hmm. you know and especially if you feel like you're that's how I felt I was like stuck in a rut I was like I really am not loving my job I'm feeling miserable and um you know I, I loved the kids and but all the other stuff that came with it was just like <laughs> no I'm I'm good uh, I'm done um but yeah taking that leap from like quitting my job mm -hmm. to like going back to school I was like, <laughs> like wow that's like intense and thank goodness I have an amazing spouse who is super supportive who's like oh yeah I'll support you through it and you know she helps figure out tuition and like gives me the space I need to finish this degree and mm -hmm. um yeah so but yeah taking that leap is scary yeah, that had to be. That was something that I was hoping to get into eventually is, you know, you were you were in a career that you probably could have stayed in for your whole life. And, you know, a lot of people, when they get into a career, they stick it out whether they're happy or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and you had the self-awareness to realize that it wasn't for you yeah. and, and jumped ship. Yeah. So what uh, what was that like? Oh. Gosh, well, terrifying because yeah. like, I yes, I have a spouse, but we're gonna be down in income. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, let's be real. How are we gonna like do this? And um, so I've done like several wacky jobs along the way. Um, did did a stint as a barista and mm -hmm. um, 
Was I think gen- every artist does yeah, that at one yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, I've done, what else did I do? Um, I've run like social media accounts for different places. I've, uh, I ran a bar for two years. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and that was like, I always say that's the best, worst job I've ever had in all my <laughs> life. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, you just kind of like... We take it like semester by semester in my house, so you know it's like okay, we just gotta get through this next one, and and we we try really hard to like still keep like our family functioning and the house functioning, and mm-hmm. you know not get so like worked up if like the dishes fall behind or something, or that you know we don't get date night for the next like year and a half because <laughs> I've got to do homework, and you know so it's just. Yeah, having like a super supportive network around me and you have friends and chosen family who are like, yeah, you can do it and who are always like interested in my projects or what I'm doing. And yeah, so that's always helpful. (laughs) But yeah, Mm. but I would say like if anybody is like thinking about it, just do it. It's just do it. It's always like it's rarely not worth it. Yeah. Even if you fail miserably, you can just go back to what you were doing before. That's right. I know I can go to a preschool and be like, hey, I can come work for you. And they'd be like, great. Yeah. Uh, So, you know. I don't think we filled the quota on preschool teachers anytime (laughs) soon. What was it that made you uh, hate it? For lack of a better. Yeah, was there a tipping point where you're like, I got to do something. Like, I got to follow my passion. Yeah. So, like, I loved the job, but it's just, it's so underappreciated. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think that you're, like, educated or Mm. they treat you like a glorified babysitter Mm. or, um, and honestly, like, just getting down to, like, life logistics, like, it just doesn't pay enough. It doesn't give you benefits. You don't get a pension. Like... Really, that stuff's not. Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, and which is why there's a shortage of early childhood educators yeah, because mm-hmm. they just, you know, they have to go find a different career that can help sustain their family. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree with you. I find that it's very much a young person's game at that point, yeah. right? You, you get, you know, somebody right out of high school or they did a couple of years of, of college or something like, Oh, I want to work with kids, but I don't want to be a teacher. So I'm going to do preschool or daycare or something like that. And they're like, this is great for like five years. And they're like, Oh, I should probably, you know, and then they probably get married or something like that. And they're like, Oh, I got to look at my future. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is not going to work. Yeah. It's so sad because like kids, like at that age, like the work that early childhood educators do is so important mm-hmm. and you're like I know it's kind of like everybody says it but like you're molding their minds right like mm-hmm. you're laying the foundation for the rest of their education and um and like kids are just amazing little humans like the things they say <laughs> and their brutal honesty is amazing so yeah well we can learn a lot from kids we Absolutely. really can yeah. and I agree with you it what what does they say you the kids absorb the most knowledge between one and like six or something i don't remember the statistics but it doesn't matter they learn they absorb so much stuff in their first few years of life and we don't even understand the half of what's going on in their brains and i wish we could so that we can give them the right stuff and teach them the right things and yeah but we're just trusting people, and I hope it goes okay. 
So, I mean, what what was it like working with kids like that? I mean, like, it's, um, it's great, it's fun. Yeah, but... it's like, it's rewarding. Like, you get to watch these tiny humans grow and, like, mm. grow into, like, their personality. And between, like, three and six is, like, a phenomenal age. <laughs> um, just because, yeah, they, they're, they just, they're full of wisdom. They really are. <laughs> and, um, yeah, just watching them, like, develop and... And kind of come into their own before they head off to the school system. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I hear, I've heard it from teachers before on here, and they say, yeah, it's it's so weird that, you know, they the kids enter school with so much enthusiasm and wonder and curiosity, and something changes along the way, and they, they still have it, but it's somehow different by the end, and... I don't know it's, it's sometimes it can be heartbreaking because they lose something along the way and they, they shouldn't have lost it yeah we don't all learn the way the school teaches us mm. right so true um you know i even look at my daughter who is doing homeschool and it's um it's very much like at her own pace but she's thriving that way because mm. she can like take the time to like redo things or redo a test if she needs to or seek extra help or um be wild and crazy and her teacher there is phenomenal like if if he said to her like you know if you can visualize your math go for it if you want to make a graphic novel out of your math go nuts oh and so she has and so she you know she she's also very visual and um gets to use those skills while she learns and you know through this homeschool like she's definitely like super ambitious kid and you know, she's going to finish up her school year by the end of April. Mm. And she's like, I want to start grade 10. And I'm like, <laughs> cool. Like, awesome. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to graduate early. I'm like, excellent. Like, let's do that for you. Fantastic. So, yeah. So it's just like every kid learns different. And, you know, some kids need to be active. And, and some kids need to, like, hear it a few times. And some kids need to do, right? So we all learn differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. People are, we all learn differently and, you know, if you tell everybody to climb the same tree, then we're, not everyone's going to make it up the tree. But if you give us something that we can do in the way that we can do it, then we'll flourish. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, so you've worked with preschool age children, you know, you've got a a daughter working her way through uh, homeschooling. Is there something, what is it that we should be changing about the education system to help these kids more than we are now? I think just giving them space to learn Mm. and not, I think our, our education system is very colonial and it's, I think it's just outdated. And I think there's some really amazing teachers out there who figure out ways to work within like the curriculum that they're given to do like cool things and to help their students learn in the way that is best for them or learn in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I, I think back on like my school experience and I, you know, I always did better when there was just that like room, room to, you know, experiment a little or, you know, try different things or um, maybe look at it from a different angle. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'd agree with that. I when I think back on uh, 
on the good teachers that I had, especially through high school. Um, the, the best ones were the ones I had a couple who at the beginning of the, of the school year, uh, they gave you a piece of paper. They said, this is all of your assignments for the year. Mm. This is everything that you're going to have to do. So we're going to work through it at, you know, our pace, but this is what's coming. If you want to get it done early, great. If you need to get it done late, fine. But yeah. as long as I have all this stuff by the end of the year, great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like the education system too, because it's just so outdated, like it doesn't leave room for like neurodiverse people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just, I feel like it more like kind of squishes those types of people, right? Yeah. Rather than giving them room to grow and flourish and in their own way, right? Because often, like, times neurodiverse people are extremely intelligent mm-hmm. and and full of, like, great ideas and cool thoughts. and um, But they just, a lot of times, just don't have a platform to share those things yeah. or, or work with those things. And we've had a few people on the podcast in the last couple months who were um, diagnosed with neurodiverse uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know found out that they were clinically neurodiverse (laughs) in adulthood yeah Yeah, Yeah. much later in life yeah yeah Yeah. like i'm sure that me i'm sure that i'm not neurotypical but i've just never taken the work to to go find out exactly what it is put put the four or three letters on it whatever i have to do Mm -hmm. but yeah i think that that's becoming pretty common um, with people our age is, you know, realizing, you know, what you were struggling with through school and, oh, that's why I did terrible in math class or yeah. whatever. And yeah, if, if we can loosen up our education system a little bit, I think that it gives people, people like that room. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's very true. It, we just, we have to find a way to customize it for everyone. Right. And that's so tough because we're so underfunded and under yeah. mm-hmm. everything in the education system. But there has to be a way to, you know, maybe there's, I don't know, maybe it's like a, a test of some kind or, a, or activities that we can put that child through where we figure out how they learn and what's the best ways for them to learn. Because we can teach them whatever we want. Mm-hmm. But the best way the best thing we can impart to them is how to learn and how to solve problems and how to critical think instead of just ramming information down their throats yeah and like teaching them to like want to learn yes right? yeah, and making learning exciting and yeah. you know that those skills will carry you through and yeah. in your adult years right yeah imbuing them with passion yeah essentially uh, that's what we talk about all the time but <sighs> yeah People that lose their spark or they think they've peaked in high school or something like that. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Okay. (laughs) You have an entire life that you're going to figure out exactly what you love to do and you're going to go and, and pursue it. And it's going to be incredible. And, but just getting them out of that headspace and getting them on the path to, Hey, this is exciting. Find something that excites you. It's tough. It is. Humans are ever evolving. Mm, true enough. <laughs> right? And so we we are definitely not the same people we were like ten years ago. Right? Mm. We all we always we're always changing. And so just you know, we have to change with ourselves. Change with ourselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, let me wrap my head around that. <laughs> In 
interesting. Ah, okay. What... I mean, you, you kind of touched on it earlier, but, I mean, walk me through how you create a piece of art. Yeah, so, um, oftentimes I'm just, like, sometimes you get a creative brief where, you know, maybe a client is, like, really on the ball and they're like, this, 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 um... But most of the time, no. It's like, I need this. And you're like, great. And, mm. <laughs> you know, so. Um, but I always like, I call it percolating. <laughs> so mm. I'll sit there, <laughs> like just percolating and thinking and just pondering, researching, reading, listening. Um, yeah, a lot of times, even before I like put a pencil to paper, I just, I have to sit with it for a while and. Oftentimes I, I go for walks mm. and just think. And a lot of times on my walks, I get like, uh, I get the light bulb moment. I'm like, <laughs> that's it. This is how I'm going to approach it. Um, sometimes that process lasts way longer than I want it to. <laughs> um, but I definitely like, it's very rare that I'll be like, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Mm. Like, I'm just, that's not my mind. That's not my brain. That's not how I work. Um, yet there's like designers who are, super brilliant who are like yes here you go and it's like whoa you know but um yeah so i i'd sit and i think and when i think i have an idea i'll start exploring it and uh, i'll draw or write or uh, mind map or um i i try really hard to avoid like going online looking for inspiration mm -hmm. <laughs> right pinterest boards yes and, yeah. pinterest and behance and all that stuff I, I try really hard not to go there um just because if you start doing that you're gonna start looking like everybody else yeah. right mm -hmm. and you're gonna fall into a trend trap and um you know when people are coming to you to design something they want something that's gonna last and you know a lot of times they pay a lot of money so they're just like yeah i you know i want something that's gonna carry me the next 20 years right so mm -hmm. um yeah so and then i from there i i always do it analog first so i have a book of graph paper and i'll chart it out and then once i'm like in a place where i think i'm onto something then i'll start bringing it in to the computer and working mm -hmm. through uh working through it that way interesting Interesting. So it's not even graphic design at that point. It's just design. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And just coming up with the idea. And and I think that's probably like the hardest part is the idea. The execution is not, not so bad. That's the fun part. Mm. It's kind of like the reward for all the work that you just put in. Um, and that's like, I'm in my happy place when I'm creating. So um yeah, so when, like, I hit creative block, I'm like, oh, you know, and but then I'm like, oh, I worked through it, so now I get to, like, get to put it into motion and start doing what I do. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. It's fascinating because I'll pose this hypothetical to you. If you had been born, let's say, 50 years ago, you know, 50 years earlier, you the technology wasn't there, so yeah. you couldn't pursue exactly what you wanted to do. I mean, how would that have changed you? Yeah, well, back then it was like, uh, you know, it was all analog. And so yeah. people hand-did everything. Yeah. And so it was like definitely like truly a craft, right? And there was still, I don't know, I love Mad Men. I'm just like... Oh, yeah. Right? So 
it, and that's like what it was. And it, you know, of course, like back then I probably wouldn't even be in that space. I might be their secretary because mm. I'm a woman and, um, you know, I feel like women in design are just kind of starting to like claim their place in that space. Um, really? Yeah, it's been a very male-dominated field for a really long time. Like, what feels like design? Design, yeah, graphic design. Okay. Um, it was just, it was very much like a white man's job, right? And so there's, mm. like, lots of, not enough representation from, like, uh, indigenous designers or, or um, you know, designers of color or, um, yeah, there's just, there's not a lot of that yet mm. it's starting to happen and there's people are starting to like realize that it's important that we recognize those designers and the work that they do and um you know even like i was at an indigenous type conference a couple months ago um and so it was indigenous typography designers coming together and talking about how through typography they're starting to reclaim their languages so yeah so like when you go onto your computer and you're like i'm gonna go look at this cool font and there's like thousands of typefaces available to you at the click of a button but those folks like they've got one (laughs) so and even just like their language in general is like dying right and so they're using design and typography to like be like no we need to like record this we need to like create elements for our design and oh that's fascinating yeah so it's super cool that that's happening and um yeah just the representation is it's starting it's there's still a long way to go but Mm. even even as women designers i remember i got i wrote a letter to our department head um (laughs) because they put out this promotional video of alumni and but it was three white men i was like (laughs) cool uh i know that we've had indigenous folks come through here and i know that we've had women come through here what's with your video (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um yeah but i always like i get fired up about any kind of like social justice thing on there that's okay tell us more yeah so well i love i I don't know not that i love i i don't love that i need to be vocal about (laughs) social justice issues but boy i like my knickers get in a knot when (laughs) i'm just like turn it like Um, yeah, even like, uh, so I'm on the board for Fraser Valley Youth Society. So they, they provide drop-in services and resources for local queer youth. Um, and so we were talking about, uh, there is a speaker who shall remain nameless, who is coming to Abbotsford, who is very right-wing. Ah, yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm sure you know (laughs) I think we all just realized it was. Yes. Um, so we were all like. Uh, well, UFE had reached out and other people had reached out to FEYS saying, okay, we're going to have a protest. And we were just like, wait a minute, what will that do? <laughs> It'll mm. do nothing. It, it, whatever. There, it's just going to create more of a space for those people to just spew their crap out to you. Like, why do we want to be involved with that? Um, and so we're like, what can we do that will actually make a difference? And so I was like, oh, let's make a video and like, we'll put this video out there and and, uh, but then like the board member, one of the other board members like, well, you know, like then you become a target and I'm just like, but we're a target anyway. And he's like, no, 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 you personally will become a target. They will show up at your house. And I'm like, dang it. I was so mad. I was just like, yeah. why? It's just not, it's just not fair. 
right? It's not fair that we even have to make videos and, and, uh, so yeah, so uh, stuff like that. I just like, yeah, bust my buttons. <laughs> Do you, would, what's the question here? Um, would you prefer it if there would just, if people like you can go to your thing, like this speaker that's coming, I mean, you decided against protesting. I mean, is it better not to protest or is it, I mean, would you like at the, the drag King event at the reach, I mean, would you have preferred that the protests weren't there or were that they were just peaceful and friendly? And, um, I think if they were peaceful and factual, Mm, okay. I, I think like, I believe everybody, everybody has a right to an opinion. Everybody has a right to their beliefs but I don't go out on a Sunday morning in front of a place of worship with my sign. Like I, I, I nor do I, you know, deliberately call those people out. Mm. Like they're just different and they just believe differently than I do. And there's mm. nothing wrong with that. And if they didn't think differently, if we all thought the same, like, remember the game Lemmings? Like, all the little, like, things, <laughs> mm. and they'd fall off the edge? Like, yes. that's, we, that's the mess we'd be in. So we need, we need diversity, we need different schools of thought, but I think what just, like, kind of sticks with me is that it's just the information that they're spreading isn't truthful. And it right. isn't based in fact, and it's not based in science, it's just their opinion. Mm. And they, it's just, like, this rhetoric that gets spewed out there and hypes people up and targets like certain demographics because they know that, you know, they can get them to listen, you know? So it just, yeah. It, I love that we're all different. Like, yeah. I love that, you know, and I love it when difference can come together and be like, Hey, cool. You're different. I'm different. Like, let's come together and, there's yeah. always common ground. Yeah, always. We all bleed the same blood and we eat the same food. It's We all are going to die someday. It's not that complicated. <laughs> no. And, like, just love one another, for goodness sake. Just be kind. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, kindness never hurt anybody, <laughs> right? Like, rarely. 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 Yeah. <sighs> so there's nothing, like, I, I think, I think that people who think maybe more right could like come together with people who think more left and just have like a cool discussion and just mm. be like, learn something from one another and try to understand. Okay. Well, you know, you think that way. Tell me more. Like, let me understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I, I, I consider myself a centrist. Like there's some interesting things on this side and some interesting things on this side. I'm like, just like take the good from here and the good from here and like mix <laughs> it in the middle. And you got like a decent, compromise like it's not rocket science no yeah yeah i don't know zach yeah i think i don't know just to go back to kind of the protesting thing i i I think it's an interesting issue because we do you're right like there's a lot of that stuff that's not based in fact but at the same time we do need people you know like yourself who will speak out when there is things that you know, from a factual level, you know, hey, mm-hmm. you have a video with three old white men in it. <laughs> let's let's figure this out. Like, yeah. there's there's more voices that need to be heard, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's just an interesting line that needs to be drawn because we do need people that are speaking out, but at the same time, there's uh, 
we have to make sure that uh, we're speaking out against the right things. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And yeah, and you can't die on every hill, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't just stretch yourself. We're gonna go protest this and protest that. I'm like, you can't do that. You're that, then you're just becoming. That's your whole thing. Like, oh, I identify as a protester. I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah, and there are some cases like where protest is like, you know, like that's the change, right? And that's yeah. the that's what sparked the change. And yeah, people have to get angry about something yeah, for it to actually absolutely, change. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think that there's like a time and a place for protest, um, um, but I don't think like. Standing at an overpass every Friday is gonna really. Yeah. Do Sometimes it. you're just. It's my, it's my inside voice. Yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, but like, yeah, there is a time and a place. But, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna be like bold enough to do it, then mm-hmm. do it right and yeah. make sure that you, you have fact behind you and yeah. you have like something to back you up to like be like, no, you are legit wrong. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I just add to the noise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a right way and a wrong way. I don't really know what even the right way is, but, you know, I see something like uh, the the eco-protesters that throw tomato soup on the painting. I'm like, I don't really see how that's helping, but I don't know. Yeah. Do you have an opinion on that? Well, it got you to talk. That's true. I did mention it now, which means that Hmm. Okay, let me think about it. And the fact that we preserve artifacts way better than this planet we live on that we need mm. to sustain ourselves. True. Right. Yeah, that reminds me of when uh, Notre Dame burned down mm. and they just got so much money. Now. Yeah. Like they just like, hey guys, it burned down, and yeah. people from all around the world was like, we gotta, we gotta give them money and <laughs> crowdfund <laughs> and kickstart and. They had, like, so much money pouring in for a building. I'm like, yeah. but, like, there's people dying, and mm-hmm. all right, all right. Yeah, imagine if all that money went into, like, climate change stuff. Yeah, like, or just feeding hungry people. Heck, yeah. You know, they built, they rebuilt one cathedral, and they could have built, you know, probably a thousand houses for people that don't have houses. I don't, I don't know the math on that. I don't know how many houses they could build. What's the conversion rate from cathedrals to houses? <laughs> 50 cathedrals to like 1,000 houses. Like yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I have to look it up. We A couple of, well, the episode that is coming out today, we discussed like the metric system for like 20 minutes. Nice. And the comparisons between <laughs> converting and imperial. It was probably not a great use of our time on air, but it was fun. But, um, yeah, so I just listened, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Imperial and this and <laughs> conversions, and I don't want to talk about it. I was on the an events page, and I saw something called the Laramie Project, yeah. and I saw your name attached to it, <laughs> yes. and I want to know more. Okay, so I'm working with the UFE Theater Department, um, so they're doing the Laramie Project. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Laramie Project is a verbatim... Uh, production uh, about the torture and murder of Matthew Shepard. Um, I think it was, I'm going to get my date wrong, I know. It's like late 90s, let's just say that. Okay. Um, and so this sparked a, um, a movement for 
um, equality rights for, mm. for folks. Um, yeah, so the production, uh, I'm working on projection. Um, so I get to do some cool like videography and some projection work. I've done some animation, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of the right timing, I think, for the Laramie project to be in Abbotsford <laughs> at this particular moment in time. Um, just because there is a heightened sense of, um, hate speech, homophobia. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel... I feel like there's something's gonna happen. Like it's kind of that like feeling like, oh, we're on like the precipice of something like going down or something. That's kind of like what it feels like. Um, and so, yeah, just like having that production available for people to go and like maybe be educated a little bit and to realize that, yeah, there is hate speech here. There is mm -hmm. homophobia here. You know, people do walk around and like, pretend there's somebody else just because it's easier right um yeah so interesting now i'm not familiar with the story at all i mean what why was that that story of matthew shepherd so impactful um so matthew shepherd um was in a very conservative town going to university in wyoming um and was just at a bar minding his own business mm. and these two guys were knew that he was uh, gay um, and basically lured him out to a field tied him to a fence and beat him to death mm -hmm. um, and those things happen they still happen and you know I don't think I don't think we talk about them enough and I think like when that event happened it was just I think it was just like the push that people needed to see like, oh, this is real, this is going on. And um, yeah, and that it's such a tiny town too. Mm. So like, it's like a mission. It's just a tiny little place. <laughs> and, and so people are very connected and everybody knows everybody in town. And so like the people in the town knew these people who right. did this. And um, there was like a media frenzy. So like, it just like media just kind of like really zoned in on Laramie, Wyoming, mm -hmm. to follow this story, and, um, yeah, I, I think maybe some of it was a scoop, maybe, and, um, you know, when Matthew Shepard was found, he was still alive, um, oh, wow. and, uh, ended up, uh, you know, passing away due to his injuries, but, um, yeah, and those people who did that, you know, they're held accountable, and, you know, they're still being held accountable, and, uh, also, like, there's the production, too, like, it highlights that, you know, something, like, an event like that, it didn't just, like, affect one person, it affected, like, the world, right? Yeah, there were definite ripples. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. What's your role in the production? Um, so I'm more of, like, on the crew. Okay. <laughs> so ac an actor, I am not. Um, mm. But, yeah, so I... Um, I got the privilege to film the actors um, and turn these uh, videos into like a part of the production. So, okay. um, so there's certain scenes that take place kind of like off and it's a very small crew, but there's lots of parts. So there's like multiple parts being played by the same person. Mm -hmm. um, so the video and the projection kind of helps with that element just logistically, but also like 
it's been really cool to like use that to help tell the story mm-hmm. um and use yeah visual information to you know tell tell a story of something really tragic and um uh, and motion graphics are, are my jam i love motion graphics so i got to do a little bit of that too which is kind of rad okay. so um yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to it all kind of coming together and and seeing seeing what becomes of it um and the theater department there is uh actually working with chassis mm-hmm. um to make sure that there's support in place uh some of the language in the production is quite triggering could be triggering for some people okay um and also too like just having a resource available if anybody needs to go talk or maybe there's somebody who you know needs to under like needs to see that there's like people like them around them and um yeah so they're also hosting a discussion after i think the matinee so just a a place for people to come and speak in a safe environment Awesome. When is this happening? What's the, give me the, the details. Yeah. Plug so, it. Yeah, plug it hard. Yeah. So opening night is March 23rd. Okay. Um, so it goes for two weeks. Um, you can get your tickets at the UFE Theater box office, mm-hmm. which is online. So just go to Google UFE Theater and it'll pop up for you. Um, yeah. And so I, I'm very interested. I'm interested to see who comes mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and interested to, um, yeah, see the the response. Um, so yeah, there's it's been a learning process I think for everybody. Just um, because we are, we're kind of in a Bible Belt, right? We're very conservative yeah. mm-hmm. here, and so you know there are there's questions that people have questions or or don't maybe don't feel comfortable playing a role of a queer person or um, yeah. So it just like I think it's been a really great experience just for everybody to kind of like. Lots of different people coming together to, like, create something creative and um, taking the time to, like, learn about one another. So, mm. yeah. I love that. Anything yeah. to just get people talking to people. Right. And people thinking about something that they may not have even considered yet. Yeah. Or, you know, the impact of, of Matthew Shepard's story and how that changed things and and you know understanding the the cruelty that humans can get to but also the good that comes out of tragedy yeah 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 that's powerful i'm excited i think uh, we should go zach yeah i think we should too okay what about uh what about the rest of the work that you do so chassis is there any way that people can look for that work yeah, so Chassis does have a website which is connected to the UFE website. So, Ooh. yeah, so you can go on there. Um, Chassis also has a podcast. Okay, is, Chassis has a podcast. They do, the oh. Chassis cast. <laughs> um, I think okay. it comes out like once a month. Um, but there's always like really cool people from all walks of life oh, who go on there fantastic. and talk. And, um, and yeah, just... Uh, social media of course there's always highlights on there mm-hmm. but yeah oh have you been on the chassis cast i have not been on the chassis cast yet mm. so <laughs> yeah if they're listening yes it's a problem <laughs> uh oh, interesting i want to i want to listen to that now yeah. and just see who's on there i'll look it up later 
And then uh, for you personally, I, I saw your Instagram. Uh, the art on there is great, by the way. It's yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Let's get to that. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you want to plug that as well? Sure. So um, my Instagram, I call it Creative Juice Studio. Mm. Um, How'd you come up with that? <laughs> I actually did a school project that I flunked almost. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it was a, a project and I thought I'd be uh, tongue-in-cheek, I guess, and I created this juice container that was creative juice for all your creative needs. And <laughs> um, my teacher's like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> anyway, so creative juice kind of came out of that. And I'm just like, I just need to get creative juices flowing. Yeah, um, yeah so and I, right now I just kind of post things that I'm passionate about on there, things that I'm proud of, and... Um, there's lots of illustration on there and I, I just, I love like scrolling all the way to the bottom and like working my way back up and just like, oh yeah, like I've, you know, I've grown and I've learned things and wow, look at like, it's, you know, so different from where I started. Oh, we get that a lot. Like (laughs) listening to episode one of our podcast, (laughs) not recommended, not recommended. You mean I should have started with that one? Like you can skip the first 10 or so and then they get 20 s- semi better <laughs> after that Ugh. but that's what like creating anything is about right yeah. it's like oh, yeah. walking the path and yep yeah. if, if you start something new you're not going to be good at it right away no that's folly to that's think what i that. tell my daughter like you're not going to be good you got to keep doing it right yeah. what is it, it takes what ten thousand hours to master something yeah that's what uh, malcolm gladwell says did he say that yeah that was his thing you know what? I actually heard the other day that actually that it wasn't his thing, that he just took it from somebody oh, else. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I don't remember who it was, so I can't say. Anyways, I did see that you did work for Kilby. Yeah, so that was also part of a school project. Um, so Kilby actually came to uh, the UFE graphic design department and was like, we need a student to create us something awesome. Um, Can people do that? Yeah, of course. Can you just show up and say, hey, we need something? Can hey, you help? Yeah, we have to learn somehow. And, like, <laughs> there's more incentive if there's a real client. Okay. Um, so That's valid. Yeah, and they had, like, 20 things to choose from at the end. So I did not get picked. <laughs> uh, a classmate of mine did. Um, but it was sure fun. Like, we got to go tour the site. And oh. we, we, I got to put, like, my idea forward. And Interesting. Yeah, so there's, like... It happens a lot, actually. Like, there's a few different projects I've done through school that, you know, there is a client, and you have to pitch it. You have to present it to the client, which is great. Like, it's good practice. Has yours ever been chosen? I've never been chosen. (laughs) No, no. I'm sure it will happen. So I'm working on another one now uh, in a class, and I'm... I just, I don't put my hopes up anymore. Not, my stuff's not for everybody. I'm very colorful and, mm. and, uh, yeah. And, and that's not everybody's cup of tea and that's okay. My, my people will find me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's clearly working out so far. So far. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the well hasn't run dry, I'm hoping. No, no. Okay. There's always work to be done. And graphic design is like being a plumber or a mechanic. It's like, oh, hey, can you, like, do this for me? <laughs> so um, I do get that a lot, and uh, I don't I don't mind. It's like, it's been good practice, and but then you got to, like, set boundaries and be like, okay, I'd love to do that for you, but I need to be my family. So yeah. like, you got to pay. Sorry. And there's, like, a but barter system. You get, like, a sack I've of potatoes or something. I've done barter. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I've done barters for, like, 
spa days. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, or like services. I love bartering. Mm, yeah. I, it's, uh, it's a lost art. It really is. I truly is. feel the same way. Yeah. It, it, why can't I trade my neighbor whatever he's got for whatever I've got? Services, products, whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, maybe when the apocalypse gets here, we'll have to, like, I'll give you a chicken if you can, like, stitch my leg up, or, like, yeah. I'm sure maybe. that will be a scenario that will happen. Maybe. Maybe I should start raising chickens, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like learning how to stitch would probably be better. Yeah, maybe. Actually, both. And then you're, you'll be really be versatile. You're get, everyone will come to you in, yes. the, in the apocalypse. It'll be wonderful. Yes. Ah, yeah, I still have this this wonderful vision where... Instead of lawns, everyone just has, they grow one thing in their garden yes. and then their neighbor grows, like suburbs, like you grow tomatoes, your neighbor grows potatoes, maybe not potatoes, that probably won't work in lawns, but you know, they grow this plant, they grow that plant, and then the whole street, everybody gets one of each, yeah. you know, and at the end of the day, Kate, everybody gets a tomato. And... That's like the Christmas cookie exchange. Everybody bakes like 12 dozen of one thing. Right. And then you come together and you all switch and like yeah. you walk away with your Christmas baking done and you only had to do one thing. Exactly. And if your cookies weren't that good, it you only have, matter. they're all gone. They're all gone. <laughs> and you right. got better cookies back. Exactly. <sighs> the cooperative model, Zach. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. You just, uh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. What was my, I had a question like halfway through <laughs> and it's gone now. You're thinking about cookies. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have dinner. I should have. Um, no, I, okay, it came to me. Um, okay, so we you explained your process, how you create your art. You explained that with the clients and everything, do you actually just create art for yourself on your downtime? Or is this just like a, I have to have a client in order to create something? No, I wish I had more time to create art for me. Mm. <laughs> so I do like... Every so often I'll get an idea and I do like keep track of it. Mm -hmm. So eventually one day I can go back and yeah, and go back and like work through that list of, of things. And yeah, right now with like school, there's not a whole lot of time, but in the summertime usually is when it happens yeah. when I'm on my, my down, down time. But yeah, I love creating art just for me and I'm not mm -hmm. even just like drawing, like I love crocheting. I love... Oh, wow. Yeah, I love all things. I, I need to keep my hands busy. Yeah. So, like, I do basket making or I'll be like, oh, that's a cool idea. I'm going to try, like, air dry clay and see what happens. And so, yeah, I'm always, like, doing something. So my yeah. wife doesn't even ask questions anymore. She's, <laughs> she's like, whatever, you're just, like, doing your thing. So, yeah. yeah. You come home with, like, yarn and cotton balls. And oh, like, yeah. Whatever. Just, yeah. Yeah. And figure it out. I know we live we live in a pretty small place and over COVID we all kind of had to pick our spots where we were gonna set up our workstations mm. and so I ended up in the corner of our bedroom. Well, it's my studio is now like <laughs> it's growing. I'm just like there's it's busting at the seams. Eventually we're gonna have to like figure out a space for all this like stuff to go because I always collect stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You never know, and it's all come in handy. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I my growing up, my family was the same way. We we have a, like a little craft corner, and we're like, we might need this half a Q-tip ten years from now, so yeah. don't throw it away. Okay, we need this like half dried paint thing, and like don't get rid of it. No. Like the the mountain of like half cut construction paper that we like every color, and like you there was like an L cut out of one, and you're like keep the edge. Like yeah. don't don't throw you it away. You never know when you're gonna need <laughs> exactly. the like 
Space around the L. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah. It probably was a little bit what inspired my hoarding tendencies, but it's fine. One day. I just collect books. It's not that well, bad. Well, no. Books aren't that bad. Books are awesome. And, like, you could be like, I have that. Or, like, I have mm, the perfect thing. Yes. Know, right? Oh, it actually is a nice feeling when someone comes over and they're like, oh, do you have this book? I've been looking for it. I'm like, yeah, I do. Let me lend it to you. Yeah. Yeah. This is very cool. You're going to have to, like, get a card system with a stamp <laughs> so you know. Like, yeah. I don't really want to do decimal everything, but <laughs> I could if I would. I'll consider it. Do you at least have labels this book belongs to? And I don't. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to be remembered, or you know, I don't want my name in the, the cover or anything. Like I just nope. I have it, and then eventually someone else will have it, and I don't need to be remembered halfway through. It's true. Although sometimes when you go to a secondhand bookstore, like can you open, you're like, hey, this was William's mm. book. Like thanks, William. I actually really enjoy that. You know, you go to the store and you open the cover, and there's like a really nice little note written yeah. to somebody you've never met. I'm like, this is nice. Right? I usually buy those ones. Somebody cared about it. It's right. Yeah. If it's like a gift for somebody, like happy twentieth birthday. Here's mm -hmm. this book. Yeah. When's the last time you got a book with a message in it? Um, it's been a little while. I usually get like this, you know, like happy birthday or congratulations yeah. or well done on having a child or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, to get like a really like written one. Yeah, those are rare. They are rare. You, usually somebody has to die <laughs> because usually people hold on to those uh, for a while. Yeah. But it happens i have a i have a pretty good one my uh I, I come from a small town in alberta and we were back home for christmas one year and went to the thrift store in the town yes <laughs> and we picked up a book and found in there a handwritten note uh it was from my youth pastor growing up from his brother <laughs> to my youth pastor's now son <laughs> Happy third birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was at the thrift store. Crazy. Oh, yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It's like when you find the bookmarks, too. Yeah. It's like, I love that. Right? It's like, sweet, a cool bookmark. But yeah. like, did they finish it there? Yeah. Did yeah. they just put it in? Like, did they stop reading? The did they story? like pass away halfway yeah. through the book, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but then you just make up your own story, and it's wonderful. You're just exactly. adding to it. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I should, every time I give a book away, I should just put a bookmark in it or something, yeah. maybe. Just to, like, I don't know. Yeah. Just figure it out. They can create their own story. Yes. And that's what we want for everyone. Yeah. Create their own stories. You know, happens all the time. Do you get that? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh. I'm a parent. Like, shower thoughts, <laughs> stuff like that? Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. I walk down the hall, and I'm like, why am I walking down the hall? Like, mm -hmm. what the heck? And then I have to, like, retrace my steps, and, like... Try to figure out. Sometimes it's just eternally gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I struggle with that, especially on, like, when I pull my phone out to do a specific task. I'm like, okay, I got to respond to this email. But in, in doing so, I have to look at a different email, which then makes me go to Instagram so I can <laughs> double check a fact. And then I have to watch a different video on that. So 20 minutes later, I'm like, I should probably get back to the email. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, and it's all important stuff. You know, I'm doing work for the podcast. I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, message this person and then do this. And, like, yeah, it goes wild. 
it goes wild. Okay, the question that Zach always likes to ask, before we forget, have you ever experienced anything that you can't explain? Oh, okay, so, uh, I actually thought about this one. I was like, I need a good one. (laughs) Thank you. If you have two or Uh, three. Well, this one's pretty pretty good. Okay. So, I was running a bar in Mm. Mission, in a very, like, historic building. Okay. Um, and I was there alone a lot. Like, this building's massive, and the, the only portion of the place that was used was the bar. The rest was, like, empty. Um, I, the glasses, they would, like, get knocked over. And I don't mean, like, knocked over, like, knocked over. And really? they would, like, shatter. And, like, this happened to me three times. I was just like, what the heck? And I'm not, like, super, like woo-woo or but i i don't know there must have been a ghost in there and like <laughs> and i would hear voices and i'd be there all alone in this massive building yeah. i'm just like i don't get it i like i would like go through nobody's there and no weird wind breezes no, coming in yeah. no it just generally had like a spooky vibe for sure yeah, yeah. so there's definitely was energy in there <laughs> okay yeah it's always those old buildings. I know, there's, there's right? Always well, it's historic for a reason. Right? Yeah. yeah. So much, so many things happened there. Maybe. Yeah, it was know. an old hotel, so Ooh. stuff went down. A lot of stuff must have yeah. happened in that building. Stuff went down yeah. there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. So. Hmm. What do you What do you think it was? I don't. I don't know. I definitely believe that there's some kind of energy in our mm. universe. What that is, I don't know. So I can't say no I don't believe in that because it could it could exist and so I have to be open to the possibility that there are energy or there's otherworldly beings <laughs> I, like I have to be open to that so interesting yeah ah. mm. yeah pretty creepy <laughs> yeah yeah I, I can imagine just be you know bars you're open late so it's you know three in the morning and all of a sudden that just you hear the smack oh yeah yeah and i just think about all the times i was there alone like i was there alone a lot like Mm -hmm. if it needed to be done i was there doing it right and so yeah there was a few times i'm just like i call my wife i'm like i hear something and she's like it's probably just outside i'm like no 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 i like i hear footsteps above me like the place is creepy yeah so i think like ghost hunters even like came through there and like did an investigation through there too Okay. So, yeah. I don't know if they ever found anything. (laughs) Mm. It'd be interesting to find out. It would be. I should Google it. Yeah. I would, I'd be, we'd be actually be very interested to know if that, like, what, who ghost, who the ghost hunters were. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Oh. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Creepy. Okay. (laughs) Uh, okay. Let's go back on something interesting, or not, but something else. (laughs) Um, you said you were a lifelong mission Mm-hmm. L- liver missionite missionite is that what is <laughs> that the appropriate term i don't think that's just what i call myself missionaries maybe, maybe missionarians no that doesn't sound right <laughs> i don't know maybe it's on maybe the on the mission website they have maybe, maybe the make up your own i don't <laughs> so you're, you're going missionite yes okay yeah i guess my question to you would be what kept you here um I am a country mouse. Mm. Yeah, I, I love visiting the city, but I just don't think I could live there. I, I love 
small town mission. I I don't like that mission's growing. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, go away. It's yeah. small town. Um, it's growing really fast. Um, so mission has a rush hour now. Like, you can't get yeah. from one end to the other anymore. No, you need to give yourself time. Even though it's only one road. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And so, yeah, it, it's crazy. And I'm just like, what happened to small little mission? It's growing. And there's lots of development happening there. And yeah, I've seen seen the changes and I remember like I I moved there I think when I was five and so like I'm like oh well you know that save on foods didn't used to be there it used to be over here Mm -hmm. and you know this used to be here and so kind of like reliving that um but yeah it's it's crazy how fast it's going yeah yeah Yeah, I agree I, I feel like you know all the the people that work in Vancouver area they start, they were like, okay, we'll live in Langley, and then we'll <laughs> live in Abbotsford, and then we'll live in Chilliwack. But they kind of, like, skipped over Mission yeah. a little bit, and like, ah, no one wants to go to Mission. Yeah. But now we're just out of options, and we're like, <laughs> now we have to move to Mission. Sounds very Mission, yes. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes. There's, like, this unspoken thing, where like, nobody wants to go to Mission. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. There's some cool people there. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, definitely some cool people, and... um it used to be where I kind of knew everybody, and not so much anymore. It's, mm. you know, I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> right? Yeah, when you don't but, know your neighbor's name, yeah. then it's like, okay, there's yeah. something going on here. There's a, there's a turning point. Yeah. I know, we talk about moving, and then we're like, no, we're good. We're good where we are, and, mm-hmm. you know, all our friends are here, and, yeah. Yeah. Do you, okay, what... Zach, do you have any other questions? No. Okay. What's the, how welcoming is the art scene in the Fraser Valley right now? Because I, I, it feels like everywhere I look, we've got a new art gallery or a new mm. something. Yeah, I think, I think there's like it's pretty welcoming, mm-hmm. um, and I think that the art community is trying really hard to be inclusive and diverse, uh, which is awesome. Um, but I still, I don't know, sometimes I feel like you really still have to, like, work really hard to kind of, like, break through into there, right? Mm. So, um, yeah, it's not, I think, I don't know if it's just because there's just so many amazing artists in our little pocket. Are we just saturating the market? Maybe. Yeah, oh. I don't know. I mean, that's a good problem to have, it I'll is. be honest. It is. And you have to, like, look at all the choices you have and look at yeah. all of, like, the different things happening and, um... Yeah, but I I think I think community like uses art to like show they have community, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So um, I know I know Abbotsford does a, a stellar job with their their arts community, and um, it's a pretty happening art scene here in Abbotsford. I th- it feels like it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've always lived here, so I don't really know what like the big art scene looks like. But yeah. I feel like everywhere I look. You know, there's a, a new coffee shop in Abbotsford that just opened this past week, and they're like, "Oh, we're looking for local artists to put stuff on the walls." Yeah. I'm like, "Thank you. Like, why can't why why should you buy some random print off the internet or whatever? You know, twenty of the same thing and put them on the wall. Yeah. And, no, local artists, please. Yeah, definitely. So I think Mission Mission's trying. I think they they have some 
room to grow, mm -hmm. I think. Because um, there's a couple art galleries in Mission, aren't there? Yeah, so there's, yeah, there's two that I know of. So okay. one of them, um, one of them is really awesome for like giving newer artists a, a space mm. to, you know, show their work and um, which is really cool. Um, it's very community based and they have lots of community events happening in that space. Mm. Um, and then we have our uh, Arts Council uh, gallery too, um, okay. which has been around for decades. So decades and decades. Mm. <laughs> I feel like we just need a better way of promoting it. I don't know. Do you feel do you feel that it's uh, like art galleries are underpromoted in in some ways? Yeah, I think I think so. I think there's always room and to promote art. Mm -hmm. Um and I think there's also like a need for like more education around art and about what it means to do art and mm -hmm. and um you know just because you don't think it's art doesn't mean that it's not art. Um so having a a place to maybe learn about that would be really rad. That would be nice. Mm -hmm. I always thought I would take like an art class or something. It hasn't happened yet, <laughs> but never say never. Yeah, I'm more of a written word type of a person, but I love art. Yeah. What do you think, Zach? Yeah. How can we uh, imbue better, imbue life into our art world? <laughs> uh, I. I... Yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a very difficult question to answer. I don't know. I think, I, I don't know how we do it as, like, as a society, but I think it's pretty easy now for art to kind of fall into the background of things. It mm -hmm. is. Like and when you say there's a coffee shop opening, their local artists put stuff on the walls. Well, then there's just stuff on the walls. People aren't really looking at it, but I guess, you know, do you not anybody's... Look the... I don't know. I, feel I, like I don't know. I don't think that I look that closely. But, you know, maybe this is, you know, I'm learning something about myself. It's, I can look a little closer at things like that and try and learn more about the history and the person that made it and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, like, space to appreciate art. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because art isn't just, you know, I think, I think we talked about it earlier, but just, like, people don't understand what goes behind it first right yes. it's not yeah. just like blood sweat and tears yeah and... there's and thought and you know brain power and um yeah and like even like the recent threat with ai yes. and the art community right and i know my friends i'm like don't use ai and they're like well why i'm like well because it's ripping off other artists mm -hmm. who worked really hard and you know eventually all that ai is going to start looking the same anyway exactly so yeah no, I, was, I wasn't going to ask you about that because we've <laughs> asked too many guests about it. But, yeah, I mean, you brought it up. So, <laughs> what? Do, I mean, do you think that we're going to see changes in the art world with this? Uh, it's already happening. Yes. Right? Yeah. There's already, I know there was this guy on Instagram. I'm like, oh, his art's really cool. And then I started, like, reading about it. And I'm like, you use AI. Like, what the heck? So, I guess there's, like, a certain element of knowing what words in what order to get it to generate what you want it to. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not creating anything really original. Like it's taking from here, 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 here and putting it all together. So, yeah. yeah. I guess it's just taking real art and then changing it and like making like an art sandwich. Is that the right? 
like a, a melting pot of other people's art yeah and seeing what comes out well it's kind of just i don't know it's boring right because it's just mm-hmm. averaging out yeah. other people's work yeah yeah yeah, we have a theory that it's basically going to become the the elevator music of the art world. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because I don't think anyone puts that much effort into the elevator music. I feel like if that's not created by AI already, it will be. Or the hold yeah. music that you get when you're on hold. Oh. I was going to say hold music too. Yeah, you know, I feel like they always play like the same. There's like maybe three songs on yeah. from There's hold a music. Yeah. I know. So I listened to another podcast about uh, sound. And oh. sound design and they always do like what's the sound this week and it was the hold music i'm like that's the hold music for my bank like, <laughs> yeah. so you know those things stick with you i'm like yeah that tune right i wonder like how does that play out like does a guy come to your office your corporate office and say hey you know you've got four <laughs> choices you know this is the premium package for <laughs> whatever it is like or you can just get the basic or or you know there's a middle oh I wonder... I'm sure there's statistics. Like, do you want people to really hold on or do you want them to, like, hang up? There's, like, stats on that. Okay, this many people hung up on this? Oh, I could yeah. see that. Right. There's, there's Yeah, there's some businesses that don't want you on the phone. Yeah. Yes. So they play annoying hold music for those ones. Yeah. I'm sure that it's all catalog. And there's, like, a catalog. <laughs> yeah. And you, like, this... Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's fascinating to think about that. Because you never, no one ever considers that, but I'm sure there's a company that there's I'm like sure. a whole industry and market of hold music. Yeah. I'm like, oh. I should tell the Sound Podcast to do that episode. <laughs> yes, please do. Right. I'm sure they'll listen. Yeah. They did one about the tones on washers and dryers and stuff. Hmm. Like, um, and how they like come up with these tones. <laughs> what's this podcast called? Let me hear about it. Oh, is it 20,000 Hertz? 20. I think. 1,000 Hertz. Yeah. So, and it's just about, like, sound and how sound affects us. Ah, see, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Everything's interesting, but sound is very interesting. Very. You know, to think that it's just a random energy wave, but somehow when it hits your ear, it becomes sound. Yeah. And, you know, if we couldn't hear, it's not, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but it's wild. It is. It's wild. I remember I watched a, a clip, like, two years ago, and... They had a washing machine and they they could play the Harry Potter theme I song. I saw that yes. one. I was mm. like, yes. I'm like, how can I do that with my washing machine? Right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. This is clearly like the deluxe package or yeah. something, but. Yeah. Although like my washing machine, if you push certain buttons in like a certain order, you do get like a scale. So mm. it's like, but I don't think I have enough notes to play <laughs> Harry uh, Potter, but yeah. Yeah, that was a great well, I thought of that yeah. as soon as you mentioned yeah. the washing machines. There was like one, another viral one, like recently viral, and it was this couple dancing okay. to the tune of like a Samsung dryer. Mm. Yeah. And the tune was like a minute long. <laughs> so oh, I've heard of those. Yeah. yeah there's one like Samsung like just, washer or dryer where the, the tone to let you know it's done is so forever. long. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, they just did, did this like whole choreo- choreographed dance to it. I was just like, good on you. <laughs> like. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just, uh, we got time, Let's, yeah. you know, why not? Yeah. Mm. I feel like that's probably on purpose though, so that it gets you to take your laundry out of the washing machine right away. <laughs> right. Make it stop. Because if it just like dings at you, you come back like two hours later. Yeah. But if it, yeah. if it keeps going, if it's annoying, yeah. then you would do something about it. 
Maybe that's how they live up to the claim of like no wrinkles or. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to throw shade on Samsung, but yeah. I always heard that you shouldn't buy a Samsung, but that's just. I think uh, no, it's it's because you can't buy parts for it. Oh. Yes. Oh, so they get yeah. Yeah. So like it's they have to import it a lot of the parts, and they're harder to find. But that that's just what I heard from the appliance repair guy. <laughs> so, but I trust him. I do. Yeah. I just like the old like nah growing up. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. Like it was done. Ah, you didn't need so a song funny. to tell you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Everything's so happy now. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't have to be happy. Just make it like a bzz. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be, yeah. I don't know. Do you think some things are too nice now? Um, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, but maybe it's just like countering all the crap. Oh, <laughs> right? true. So if my washer's going to sing a nice little song to me, maybe it'll brighten my day. I don't know. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. You know, I always thought some of that stuff was like, ah, this is kind of a waste. It's just like extra fluff. You know, I don't care what sound it makes, but I mean, if it puts a smile on someone's face. Yeah. Why not? Ah, that's fair. Okay. Is there anything that you would like to shout out to the audience? Uh, we talked about chassis. We've talked about your art. We've talked about... Laramie Project. I think that was it. What else? Um, if I was going to do a shout out to anything. Please, yeah. I would just say for people to learn what it means to be an ally to somebody. Mm. Yeah. And to learn what it means to be a true ally. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. What does that mean to you? Um, well, like if somebody is an, if I'm an ally to somebody, I'm there to support them for who they are and what they are and, and celebrate them and lift them up when they need to be lifted up and be there if they need a hug and mm -hmm. just be generally like kind. Yeah. Interesting. Do you think that we need more people like that? Well, I guess that's an obvious question. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And if you, yeah, if you're, if you want to be involved with something and you want to, you know, see change, then make it happen. Mm, be the change you want to see in the world. That's right. Yeah. Gandhi said that. <laughs> and I make that joke all the time when people are like pull change out of their pockets. That's great. <laughs> That's great. You can use that one. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I asked you all the important um, is there any, like, is there anything in the media right now that you want people to check out? Like, is, do you have a favorite TV show? Do you have a, a, a book that you read and it changed your life and you want to tell everyone about it? Um, I would say read more about, um, residential schools. Mm. Definitely. Um, educate yourself. We don't get enough of an education about that in our schools. Uh, I know that's starting to change, but um, yeah, get the story. Learn mm -hmm. the story. Yeah, with anything, learn the story. Yeah, from as close to the source as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Is there uh, something that sticks out to you when you say that? Um, 
I know you've worked ex- extensively with that. Yeah. Well, you know what? The archives are public. Mm. You can go on there and read. And, like, there's so much there. Like, the first batch of archives I went through was, like, over 5,000 pages. And it's just, like, oh, sifting wow. through stuff. But even when you're sifting through, like, just general administration, like, oh, we paid $20 for this and blah, blah, blah. Like, you start to see like when you're in that like day-to-day living kind of thing you mm-hmm. can see like the whole picture and be like this is how they lived and this is how you know not really much has changed <laughs> to be honest but yeah just like getting down to like that kind of stuff and going through that and like there are some like interesting nuggets in all of those pages and you get to learn people's names and and find out you know follow the paper trail of mm. where people went and what happened and yeah so it's all it's all available you just have to go log on yeah yeah, yeah that's so fascinating you know the the idea that if nobody reads it then it's lost but if one person reads one person's story then they live on in someone else's memory. Yeah, Yeah. and, you know, when you learn somebody's story, you have an obligation to therefore teach about it Mm. and pay it forward. I agree. What gets you up in the morning? What gets me up in the morning? Um, I think just knowing that I can go and try my very best to make a change somehow. Mm. Yeah. Even if it's small, it's still something. And okay. small things add up. They do. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Small things add up. Everyone can make a difference, even if it's the most minute of changes. It really is. I know. I take transit uh, around town and I love talking to people on the bus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I meet some like, really cool people and you hear cool stories and. And, um, if somebody's willing to talk, then yeah, I'll, I'll listen. So yeah, even just listening, you know, I had one person like, thank you so much for listening. Nobody ever listens. And I'm just like, mm. well, that was so nice. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad that we were in the right place at the right time for me yeah. to listen and, you know, or buying somebody's coffee behind you or like just little things saying hello, smiling, you know? Very true. Yeah. I, I, I've been told so many times, even just a wave and a smile mm-hmm. can change someone's mood, can yeah. change someone's day that they're having. Yeah. Right? And like, how many times have you been the recipient of that? Like, where mm-hmm. have you ever had it where like somebody just did something and you're like, I just really needed that today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like getting mail. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, you both get that when yeah. I say it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just changes everything. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your stories. Thank you for and having me. What you're, what you've been working on, and I hope that there is flourishment and success in everything that you do. Yeah, and thank you, thank you for having this podcast, and thank you for allowing people to tell their stories. Yeah, right. That's what we want. We just want to hear. We just want to take it in and then put it out. It's awesome. Know, just pass I love it. it off us. I love it. Yeah. We love it. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you.